went back to church or the temple and shouted and praised God. And when we think about our Lord and what He did, we ought to praise Him and shout for victory. And it's a blessing. But Acts 1 and verse 6, they, they didn't want Him to go back. They, they said, stay down here. Stay down here. But Jesus had to go back. And He stepped up on a cloud and was received out of their sight. And in just a moment, I'm going to preach tonight on why Jesus had to go back to heaven. They were, he said, restore the kingdom of Israel. He said, no, no. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. I want you to be seated, bow your head all over the house. We're going to pray. Our Father, we thank you tonight for the greatness of camp meeting time. We thank you for the good singing of the choir and the Rollins, and we thank you for every person that's gathered here in this tabernacle tonight. I pray the sweet Holy Ghost shall have his right away. Thank you for every one of these preachers that have been faithful. Thank you for the evangelists. Thank you for the missionaries. Thank you for these little saints that have gathered here tonight. And bless our hearts in the preaching of the Word of God. And all that you do will praise you because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want you to look this way. And for a few minutes, I'm going to speak to you on why. Why did Jesus go back to heaven? That was the reason the disciples said, You went to the cross, you died, you rose from the dead. Why are you going back now? Did not you come to restore the kingdom of Israel? One day he will restore the kingdom of Israel. Now, I don't believe God's through with Israel yet. I believe that God's going to do something with those people, and it's going to be a wonderful time. I first moved to Atlanta. They called me a false prophet because I believed in the premillennial coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that the next thing will be some golden daybreak. He's coming back. But I want to give you tonight three reasons why Jesus went back to heaven. And I'm going to stay on the last one for just a moment. <clears throat> First, he went back, the Scripture said, that he might send the Comforter. It says in John chapter 16, It is expedient that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come. But I'm glad he abides tonight. And we couldn't do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no singing that can bless you. There's no preaching that can bless you outside of the precious Holy Ghost. And, brother, when he comes in, I want to tell you, it's wonderful. Somebody says, do you have services where God moves in? Not many times, but it's awful sweet when he comes. I want to tell you, we get over our bitterness and our criticism, and we get to the place where we're willing to worship the Lord. And he said, I'm going to send a comforter. And he came, and he still abides. I could preach on that a long time. But let's notice the second reason that Jesus went back to heaven. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I like that. Praise God. You talk about a place he's going back to prepare. I have not seen ears, not heard, neither has it in the heart of man what God has prepared. There's a city. There is a holy place. And thank God Jesus said, I'm going back. 
and he went back to prepare a place for us. And then number three, and here's the main point of the message, why did Jesus go back to heaven, Brother Mays? He went back to intercede for you and for me. Thank God I like that. He went back because he wanted us to have a representation in heaven. And tonight I may not have much of a reputation down here, but I've got somebody presenting myself to the Lord up there in heaven. He's the advocate. He's the high priest. He's the mediator. I preached in Greensboro many times, and there's a lawyer. He's very feeble now, and his name is Wes Henderson. And he came to me one night after I got through preaching and said, Mays, I want you to know i got a Learjet out here at the airport. I want you to know I've got the whole third floor on the bank. I want you to know me and my brother are busy. But if you ever get in trouble, all you've got to do is call me collect. I'll get in that Learjet. I'll come and help you with any case that you have to face. I looked Worth Henderson in the face and I said, Thank you, but you might be on vacation. You might not be able to come. You might be sick. But I said, I know one. Praise God. He's always ready and he'll help us when we need it. And tears came down his cheeks. And he said, Mays, I've got one too. And what a blessing that is. And you say, Preacher, why did he go back to intercede for us? Now the Bible said, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. But first let me show you this. In Hebrews 1, 3 it said, When he purged our sins, he sat down. And in a few minutes I'm going to preach to you on why he's sitting there. Why did he go back and just sit down? Well, the Bible said when he got rid and paid for my sin and your sin, brother, he went back and he sat down. And in a few moments, I'll give you five reasons why he's still sitting there tonight for me and for you. But let me say this. The Scripture is very plain. One day he stood up. Thank God. And one day he's going to stand up again. He stood up the first time for Stephen as they stoned him and as they killed him. Uh, brother, he stood up to welcome him home. And what a blessing to have the Son of God to get up by the right hand of the Father and stand up and say, Come on home, Stephen. I used to be a dear friend, and my wife's here tonight, and she'll tell you, of G.T. Spear. J.T. Spear wrote Heaven's Jubilee and many old songs like the dearest friend I ever had. But I never will forget G.T. Spear. We were talking one night, and he said, Mays, I want to tell you something. Oh, he said, when I first started singing for God, churches wouldn't, wouldn't give. And bless God, I said, I know something that won't give. Say amen. Amen. I know a lot of preachers, and I just don't insult some of you preachers, but somebody hands you a bill. And you won't look at it till you get two blocks down the road. I want to tell you, if you give me a bill, I'll look at it. If it's not enough, I'll say, you tight wad you, bless God. You ought to give. And I believe that with all my heart. But you hear me tonight. G.T. Spears said, you know, Mays, I didn't have any money to go to a lawyer. I didn't have any money to, uh, to help me. But said, I've got a lawyer tonight. He has 24-hour service. He's never sick. He's never busy. And he sat down after he paid for our sins. 
Now, verse 16 of chapter 4 says, We can now come boldly to the throne of grace that we might do what? Obtain mercy. And I'll show you in just a moment. He said that we might obtain mercy and to find grace in the time of need. But I want you to look this way. I have a good doctor, and he's Jewish. I like Jewish doctors. I know some of you don't like Jews anyways. I like Jewish doctors. I remember one time we was in Israel, and a lady had a heart attack down at Bethlehem. And I said to one of the guys, I said, I'm going to get a taxi and take her to the hospital. I said, you know a good doctor? He said, the best one's right over there in that little hospital. And I took her over there, and I said, Doc, I'm going to pray. And then I want you to take care of this precious lady. I didn't know her name even. And the doctor said, I'll do my best. And I said, where did you go to school? He said, Duke University. I took everything they had. I said, bless God with God in Duke. You ought to do something for this poor old lady. And brother, God touched that lady. What a blessing. But he said, you came just in time. I was just getting ready to turn that little sign and say, office hours are over. We're shut. You will never go to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and see office hours are over. Mister, I'll tell you, a lot of times out on the highway and in meetings, I've said, Lord God, I need to talk to you. But it's late. The doctor's got the office closed. What can I do? And he put out a big sign, we never close. Obtain mercy at the right hand of the Father. And I want to give you five times in your life, if we have time, when you need to obtain some mercy. You need to go to the mercy seat. You need to talk to the lawyer that sits by the right hand of the Father. You say, when, number one, when you don't know what to do. And brother, there'll be times when you won't know what to do. You'll get up and you don't know where to go this way or that way. And I want to tell you, every morning I get up, I don't know which way to go. But I'm glad I know one. He said, if I lead you, I'll lead you into all truth. And he that's led by the Holy Ghost is the Son of God. And what a blessing. Now, Israel got to the place back in the Old Testament. They didn't know what to do. And you know what God did? He sent a cloud down there in the daytime. And he said, when it starts, you start. When it stops, you stop. But he said, I want to tell you, you will know what to do. And at night, he said, I'll strike a match, and I'll light that cloud, and there'll be a pillar of fire, and he'll go before you, and he'll keep you warm, and he'll meet your needs. Thank God I'm so glad tonight that when I don't know where to turn, I've got he, the Holy Ghost. He's already been down that trail. He knows just what to do. And I remember years ago, I was on the radio up in a little place called Dayton, Ohio. And the people were writing, and they were said, Come up here. We want you to come, Brother Mays. We'll stand with you. I took my wife and my three sons and her dad. We started to Dayton, Ohio. I was riding down by the river in Charleston, West Virginia, and the Holy Ghost seemingly, I didn't see, I heard an audible voice, but in my heart the Holy Ghost said, I'm going to guide you where you need to go. And I turned that car around right in the middle of the street, and my wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Atlanta, Georgia, bless God, that's where I'm going. 
That's where the Holy Ghost is leading. And a lot of times I haven't known what to do. But in that time of distress and fear, I'd go to that right hand and say, Office is open. You can obtain mercy today. And brother, we'd find mercy when we'd go to the right hand of the Father. If you're here tonight, you say, I need mercy, Brother Mays. He said, approach that throne boldly that you may obtain mercy. And all of us need mercy tonight. I'm glad God didn't give me justice. Brother, he gave me mercy. And he still gives us mercy. And what a blessing that is. Now, I've had a few preacher friends. I've had some that would forsake you when you needed them. I've had some that used to be my friends, but they're not anymore. If I was ever your friend, I'm still your friend tonight. You say, yeah, but preacher, you don't know what he did. I'm still his friend. I may not agree with what he did, but I'm still his friend. Hallelujah. And I want him to know that. But I had a friend up in South Carolina. His name was Duck Finley. And that wasn't his name. He was pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church there. And he did this when he's preaching. Bless God, you need to be saved. Quack. And then he'd preach a little while and he'd say, When you get saved, quack, you'll live right. And I said, Bless God, that's good quacking anyway. Say amen. <laughs> and brother, he'd just preach away. And everybody named him Duck. And he'd always quack when he was preaching. But one Monday morning, he was discouraged and hey, he didn't know what to do. And he said, I'm going to leave this church and I'm going to uh, go into evangelism. And he got in his car and he started down. And when he started down to Greenville, he ran into a, a green uh, sign, a stop sign. And he went through, and a woman didn't, she is colorblind. And she ran through a red light and hit him on this side, on his knee, and pushed that car door in on him. And you know what he was saying? I'm quitting, quack. I don't know where to go, quack. I'm going to just do what, what I want to quack. But when that car hit him, he jumped out on the other side and grabbed that knee and said, I'm going back quack. I'm going back quack. Said, praise God, whatever happens, I'm going back to do what God wants me to do. And mister, when you get to the place and you don't know what to do, listen to me, there's a throne and there's mercy to be obtained. And grace that you can find in the time of need. You say, preacher, and I want to look, I want you to look. Say this, that was the throne tonight. And Jesus was sitting on the other side of the Father, the right hand. I want to ask you something. What's he doing there? Number two, you say, preacher, what's he doing there? When the doctor shakes his head, he's waiting on you to come there. Oh, to find mercy. And you're going to need it, friends. I don't like talking about that plane down here, you know, and all those that were killed. I prayed for the families, and I don't understand why such a tragedy would take place. But I want to tell you something. I've been in rooms where doctors would shake their heads. This last year, I was in a room in Greensboro, and a doctor came in, and he looked at Billy Canoy. And Billy Canoy said, Mays, I want to thank you for getting me in meetings. I said, well, I felt it was God's will, Brother Canoy. And I looked him in the face, and tears streamed down his face. And that doctor looked at me and shook his head. And I said, Brother Billy, we're going to pray for you. And that doctor shook his head. And Billy said, I know what he's doing. He's telling me 
that I'm going home. And he said, there are two things I want to do, Maze, before I go home. He said, number one, I want to go back to my little house, get my family together, walk through the house one more time. Then I want to take me down to Church Street Baptist Church and lead me up in the pulpit. And I want to look out and thank God for making me an honorable pastor. And I want to thank the Lord. He never got to do either one. He died. He went out into eternity. And Mr. the doctor shaking his head, but Billy had gone to the throne of grace, and he obtained mercy in the time of his need. There'll come a time when they'll call you about your mother. They'll call you about your dad. They'll call you about your husband. They'll call you about your wife. The other day, a preacher friend of mine committed suicide. And I know people, they say, well, he went to hell. No, he didn't. He was under the blood. You don't go to hell under the blood, mister. But he committed suicide. I called my wife and I said, if they call you and tell you that I committed suicide in this motel, don't you believe it? You call Perry Mason, praise God. Amen. Bless God, I want you to know just as sure. And as certain as I'm here... I know one where we can obtain mercy. And I said, what are you sitting there for? He said, I've got my mercy jug here. And some little child down there at Shiloh Camp may need some mercy. And I'll pour mercy out upon that person uh, that has the doctor to shake his head and the doctor to say, now I got a little sick and I don't announce things like that. They had to call me from the big gun and I would answer them. I was in a hospital, so they called Brother Claude. I don't, I don't get up on the radio and tell people I'm in a hospital. But when I went to the hospital, I was in a revival. My wife was with me. And the uh, men said, as the ambulance came, said, where are you going to go to the hospital? I said, it don't make any difference. And my wife said, uh, just take us to this hospital right up here. So it was 3 o'clock in the morning. They took me to the hospital. And it was the Seven Dead Village Hospital. And I went in, and one lady said, Who is that? It says, Jackson. Another lady said, It's Maze Jackson. And she said, I hear him every day. I want to help him. And I went in. They took me into this place. And boy, I went into that <coughs> closed door. And when I went in there, it wasn't long until a nurse came in. And she's so skinny, it was pitiful. She walked over, and I said, Are you a Christian? She said, I'm a seven day Adventist said, I don't eat salt, and I don't eat meat. I said, Lord God, you haven't lived till so you have a little salt and a little meat. And it wasn't long till another one, another one came in, and boy, she is skinny. I mean, she didn't have but one stripe in her pajamas. She was skinny. And I looked at her, and when I looked at her, I said, no, I'm not going to ask it. Oh, she said, I'm a seven-day Adventist. Well, I said, I knew that, because, bless God, you, you're so skinny, you, you, it's pitiful. But it wasn't long until the morning came, man, light came, and a big, fat nurse came in. And when she came in, I looked at Herman, quit laughing back there. But when she came in, I said, you're not a seven-day Adventist. She said, Lord, no, I'm a good, fat Baptist. That's what I am. Amen. Jesus. <laughs> And she ate meat, but I've been there, brother, when the doctor would shake his head. And I, the only place you can go when the doctor says 
There's no hope. You can go to that throne of grace and obtain mercy in the time when nobody can help you. And I say, what are you doing there? He said, I'm waiting on somebody to obtain uh, mercy and somebody to find grace in the time of need. Number three, there'll come a time in your life when you'll get depressed. Now, my wife back there, she says she's never been depressed. Well, I said, Lord God, we've been married 50 years. You've been depressed at least 49 of those years. But you hear me? Listen to me. You get depressed. I don't care. I don't care where you are, what preacher you are. You'll get depressed. Well, you'll resign your church every Monday for six months. I'm telling you, you'll get, in every, you'll get afraid. You won't know what to do. I want to tell you what to do. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Thank God he's got office hours. 24 hours a day, and he said, when you get down and you think you're sinking and everything looks dark, he said, just come on over here and obtain grace in the time of need. I'm glad, praise God, tonight I know one that sits by the right hand to ever live to make intercession for his children, and he's my mediator. Thank God he's my high priest. Thank God he's there uh, pleading my case tonight because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is. And here we come to that place to get depressed. My, my, it's bad to find people that's always looking down. I want to tell you something tonight, and the preacher didn't tell me. This would never be here if he got depressed every time he had to spend $10,000. And somebody said, Why, Brother Mays, let me tell you something. You get in a building program, get behind, everything goes wrong, you got about six disgruntled deacons, and you don't know where to turn. Bless God, you will get depressed after a while. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can slip away. And there he is, seated at the right hand of the Father, and there you can obtain grace for the need. Thank God I'm glad there is a mercy seat. I'm glad he's seated there to make intercession for everybody here. Let me mention the fourth thing tonight. When the devil tempts you to quit, and you will find this, the devil. I've never seen so many church hoppers as I've seen the last six months. People don't like one church, they'll hop to the next one. Boy, if they don't like that preacher, they'll get another preacher. <laughs> and you say, preacher, what's wrong with them? The devil is tempting them to quit. And it's easy, brother, to get in that shape where you will quit. And when you get to that place where you will quit, it's sad. John 6 says, from that time on, many turn back and walk no more with him. They got depressed. Yeah. Mister, they quit. There's no place that a preacher has a right to uh, quit. Now, I know a preacher used to live in Chattanooga. I guess he still does. Brother Paul knows him. And he quit after he'd preached 25 years. And I met him up there, and I said, what did you quit for? He said, bless God, I preached 25 years. So how long does God want me to preach? said, I preach longer than most people work in these mills. And I said, well, God's call is not a quarter of a century. God's call to a man is not 20 years or 30 years. Thank God he calls him forever to be a witness. And what a blessing that is tonight. But uh, listen, you feel like quitting. 
you'll feel like throwing in the towel. Old Jeremiah quit and sat down in Jeremiah 20, and he said, I'll not mention his name anymore. And he quit, and he said, I'll not stand up, and I'll not go anywhere anymore. But God got a hold of him, and the Holy Ghost lit his bones with fire. And Jeremiah jumped up and said, let me tell you his name again. Let me show you what God has already done. And, mister, that's a blessing. You can come to that throne of grace, and you can obtain mercy tonight for whatever need you have the first night of this camp meeting. You can find that need. But I won't hurry. I won't keep you long. I won't give you the fifth thing. When a dear friend leaves and goes to heaven, and ain't nobody take his place, boy, I want to tell you, there's one seated there tonight will be the dearest friend you ever had. There's one you can depend on. He'll not talk about you. I don't like to hear people talk about other people. You've never heard me talk about any preacher. You've never heard me talk about any denomination. I know I don't like some, but I don't talk about them. I pray for them. We got to the place where we can't preach unless we boom, boom. And I want to tell you something. We need to preach and lift up the Son of God who died for us. But I met a friend, and he's the best friend I ever had. But let's come closer to home. Many years ago, about 20-something years ago, they brought a little old boy in. I helped guy rainwater 21 straight years at his church. And they brought this little old boy in. He's crippled. He was in a wheelchair. And Brother Guy said, Brother Mays, you know how Brother Guy talks. He said, that little boy's from Villarica, Georgia, and he loves you. Well, I said, praise God. Let me go down and speak to him. And I went down and took those little crippled hands, and he looked up at me, and he said, I love you. He said, I want to tell you, I want to be your friend. And from that day until they put him in a grave down at Villarica, Georgia, Larry Broom was my friend. I remember one time, and if I ask you, it embarrass you, and I'm not going to ask you. Everybody said, how many stations? I'm not going to tell you, but more than you think. But people don't write. You say, oh, yes, they do. No, they don't write. They don't write. I told them yesterday morning, and they gave a good offering to the broadcast. I said, that's the only way I'll ever get it out of you. You'll never send a letter in. If I asked them, I'd have you written that's heard me in the last 50 years. There wouldn't be two people in this house that could raise their hand. Maybe Jack back there, one or two more. That's the only. They just don't write anymore. They just don't. But little old Larry Broom, you know what he'd do every two weeks? He'd write me a letter, and he did it for years. And he'd say, I'm your friend, Brother Mays. Here's my two dollars. I can't work. I can't go out and make money. But Daddy gives me work. Uh, gives me money. He works in the sewer place over here, and said, "I give you two dollars every two weeks." And he said, "I want you to know I'm your friend." You know what the book says about a friend? A friend loveth at all times. Bless God, He won't just love you when you're up. He'll love you when you're down, Mister. And what a blessing it is to have such a friend, a dear friend. And so Larry was my dear friend. I remember this about Larry Broom. They brought him over there 20, about 20 years to Guy Rainwaters. 
And they, they got him a, a wheelchair that had a battery on it. Man, they'd let him loose back there at East Side Baptist Church, and he'd come down in that wheelchair and look me straight in the face, and he'd say, Mason Jackson, when we get to heaven, we're going to have a foot race, and I'll leave you in the gold dust. I said, bless God, that's what you think. I may be fat, but I can run fast. Hallelujah. And he looked up at me, and he said, I never had no legs. But when I get my two new ones, ain't nobody going to outrun me over there. And he said, Maze, I'm your friend. <clears throat> and I believe he was. And one time, we've been behind on the broadcast, and I don't get up there and say the boat's going down, threatening people. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in writing letters to churches. Your church has never gotten a letter from me begging money. Uh, you, and listen, you've never gotten a letter from me as an individual begging money. Now, we're on a lot of stations, but if I have to go for all of them, I'm not going to write Roy over here. Uh, call him up and say, Hey, Roy, I need your money. You, God knows when I need money, and God knows he can speak to you. But if most people tonight out the faith had to look to our churches, bless God, they'd starve to death. Now, put that down. Amen. You know I'm telling you the truth. But here's old Abram. I got up on the big gun down there, and Ray Beal was there. I said, Ray, I, I'm going to go off for a week. I'm going to raise some money. I'm going to see some money. I'll go to the bank and borrow some. Oh, he said, wait a minute. We took it up here to Big Gun. He handed me 40 something dollars. He said, if you like some more when you get back, the, the people here to Big Gun will make it up. So I went out, and Ray went on the broadcast and said, we're going to play hymns today. Brother Mays has got to raise some money. And when he said that, little Larry called his daddy, had a little telephone there. And he said, get my daddy to the phone. Get him down here as quick as you can. And so Mr. Broom came down, said, what do you want? And that little old boy looked up and said, open that door out, Chandra. I'm going down on the Tallapoosa Highway, and I'm going to hold out my hand, and I'm going to beg money for Brother Mays. And that little old crippled boy went down in that wheelchair and held up his hands. People from Ohio never heard of me. People from Kentucky maybe never heard from me. Nobody turned him down. When he got his $25 in his lap, he pushed that button, went back up the house, and his daddy said, now, we'll mail it to him tomorrow. He said, no, sir. I heard Ray Beal say he needed it now, and we're going to get it in the mail now. And his daddy took him down. Is Miss Broom here? I didn't ask. Usually she comes and she knows what I'm talking about. But uh, he sent that money in. And then one day he came to me and he said, I want to be here next year. But I don't know whether I'll be here, but I'll be your friend. And one day I was in Pennsylvania and I called home. Somebody said, you call home every day? Why, Sure. It's cheaper than alimony. Say, man, bless God, I want to tell you. So I called home. Doc back there answered the phone. She said, Larry died. I said, have mercy. Me up here. Larry died. I said, when I catch that plane Sunday night, we hit the ground in line. You take me to that graveyard. I want to kneel down on that, those flowers and thank God for a precious friend. And brother, he was my friend. And it's good that you can make some friends in this world that'll stand with you when you're up and stand with you when you're down. 
But let me tell you this, 53, 54 and a half years ago, I met the dearest friend that I ever had. And you know what he's doing? He's seated there for me. He said, Maze, I've got mercy, whatever you need. You just tell me about it, and I will give you mercy and grace to help in time of need. And I know tonight he's been a friend, the dearest friend I ever had. He's always there. I know where he is. Somebody said yesterday in a Mother's Day, and I preached on Eve, the mother of all living. I preached on her future, her fall, and her family. Her future, she didn't have any past. She's the only woman that was from the hand of God. She was grown when she came into this world. And the Lord led her over, and Adam said, Who is that? Lord said, that's a woman came from you, and she's going to be a helpmeet. But a lot of women today don't believe that, bless God. They want to boss around, and some of these, preach, uh, some of these people are so henpecked, they roost on the end of the bed at night. Say amen. And it's sad when you find that going on. You find that crowd, bless God, that's so henpecked. It's pitiful. But boy, when you meet a friend like Jesus... I can tell you tonight, I've never been let down by him. I've never. Now, I'll guarantee you, and this man will tell you, people have been good to help him here. But a lot of people he thought would stand with him, let him down. And you're here tonight, and you're going to find that a lot of people will let you down. But I'll introduce you to the best friend that you could ever have. And Jesus is always there. He never goes on vacation. He never puts up a sign, sorry, the office is closed. If you forget everything I preach tonight, you write down in front of your Bible, his office is always open. Hallelujah. And you can go to Jesus anytime, and Jesus will give you mercy in the time of need. Whatever it is, he'll give you mercy, and you'll find grace to help in the time of need. Every head bowed. Every eye closed over the house. Why did Jesus go back to heaven? He went back for three reasons. One, send a comforter. Two, prepare a place for me and you. Three, to make intercession, to be our, our mediator, to be our high priest. And he's at the right hand of God tonight, interceding. There'll be days when you'll get up and you won't know what to do. But all you got to do is to go over there to him and find that mercy that you're going to need. And if you're here tonight and you've never met him, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need to trust him and let him save you before you leave this camp meeting tonight. I'm going to ask you three questions, and then we're going to pray, and I believe they're ready for a song. Let me ask you three questions. Number one, how many of you know that you know you're saved? No doubt about it. Thank God you know. Lift up that hand. All right, now take your hands down. Number two, let me ask you this question. How many of you say, Preacher, I haven't lived close to God? Brother Mays, I haven't walked with him, and I haven't served him like I should. I want you to pray for me. Would you step up that hand? God bless you, 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 and God bless you. 
God bless you over here. God bless you. I see those things. Thank God for the many that are going to be honest and say, Preacher, I just did not live for God when he gave me another chance like I should. But I want you to pray for me. Is there one more? All right, let me ask you the most, uh, one of the most important questions that they'll ever ask you this one. How many of you have got a lost lover that you want to see saved for this camp meeting comes so close? Would you stick up that hand? You say, Preacher, I've got somebody in my family, a friend where I work, and I want to see them saved before this camp meeting comes so close. God bless you, dear friend. Father, oh God, thank you. We know why he's sitting there. We know that he's waiting to give us mercy when we need it. With that grace, which is always sufficient. Lord, I thank you for this camp meeting. I thank you for these men that are faithful in these men. Lord, that we can say, thank God they haven't lost their vision. Now, Lord, we're going to stand. We're going to sing in just a moment. Many hands were lifted for many reasons. But, Lord, you said, let us come boldly. Boldly. To the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Grace for every man. Lord, I thank you that the mercy seat. And we're going to stand. We're going to sing. And may everyone that raised that hand come down here and find that mercy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's stand all over the house. Let's pray the singing this right
heads all over the house. Brother Bob Darty, you lead us in prayer, please. Yes, praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
sometimes $40, sometimes $200, sometimes even less than that. But after hearing Brother Mays tonight talk about not waiting until he got down the road to open up and see what was in the envelope, I think I'm going to let Brother Charles give him the offering tonight. Now, we're going to give Brother Mays a good offering regardless of what comes in, but I do appreciate what was given tonight. I mean that from the bottom of your heart. But help us pray about the cost of the meeting. It is a great cost around here. Food every day, and we appreciate our ladies. They fixed a fantastic dinner today. I'm talking about home cooking. There'll be a great meal tomorrow, and uh, great fishing. We invite you to come back.